Kobe Bean Bryant was tragically killed along with his daughter and seven other passengers in a helicopter crash, which included children, in Calabasas, California, on Sunday. And this has caused, uh, this is one of those gut punch moments for the sporting world. Regardless of where you came down on Kobe, and those of us in Colorado have a probably different view of Kobe than others do, which is okay. Um, But it's one of those moments where everything stops. And it's a moment that I can only compare to uh, Magic Johnson announcing he had HIV in 1991, Um, which was additionally for me a moment that completely punched me right in the stomach. Um, and it's interesting how professional athletes can have that effect on you. It's, it's, it's interesting how professional athletes can cause life to stop. And that's what happened yesterday. Unfortunately for the Denver Nuggets and the, uh, Houston Rockets, they had to play yesterday. Uh, a move that I still don't agree with. I think the NBA should have canceled games. I understand why they didn't. But those players were only half there yesterday, and they said it after the game. Um, Kobe Bryant's effect on the current generation of players is immense, absolutely immense. Uh, his influence on me, being he and I are the same age, or is not the same. Um, He and I grew up watching the Jordan era and uh, late 80s basketball, which featured the likes of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and all those guys. Uh, Our era is not the era that the people who are playing now grew up watching. They grew up watching Kobe Bryant. I remember when he was drafted in uh, 1996. Um, It was, that was the famous 1996 draft that just had everyone in it. Um, That was one of those drafts that uh, will go down in history. Kobe Bryant was a big part of that, although he was a high school player and was drafted lower. He was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. Um, The Nuggets had famously um, decided to trade back in the draft and draft a a known European player. Um, But the Nuggets were right in that Kobe area. Uh, also, I believe Steve Nash was gra- drafted right in that area. The Nuggets chose to sit that draft out. And Kobe ended up being drafted by the Charlotte Hornets and traded to Los Angeles for Vlade Divas, basically. Um, a steal of a trade, let's face it. Um, and what transpired afterwards was a couple years where Kobe was a high school player. In the NBA, um, you know, my memory of the time was I didn't. He wasn't in my on my radar. I, I wasn't thinking about Kobe. There was a lot of other players in that draft who were amazing, uh, and Kobe wasn't one of those guys that was like high on my list. But apparently, he was on Jerry Lit, Jerry West, and of course, after the acquisition of Shaquille O'Neal, um, it took a couple of years for the Lakers to fully form. But by Basically, by the strike-shortened 1999 season, Kobe was becoming who he was to become. 
and uh, he was definitely on my radar then. And ha- him having to being on the Lakers uh, meant that uh, the Nuggets' torturous relationship with the Los Angeles Lakers and its many, many Denver transplants to come from California um, came to a just grotesque fruition, is what I would call it. Um, but those Lakers with Shaq and Kobe were dominant, and uh, Kobe became a phenomenon. And it is very interesting to me that his legacy in, in L.A. is so much bigger than Shaquille O'Neal's, who, by all, for all intents and purposes, was the best player on those three championships uh, that he won uh, with, in tandem with Kobe. <coughs> and, and, and Shaq had an enormous outsized personality, you know, and you would think that that would fit in L.A., better than the extremely reserved um, Kobe Bryant, who uh, modeled himself really extensively after Michael Jordan, his own hero. And it was interesting how L.A., even before Shaquille O'Neal was traded, gravitated towards the more reserved Kobe Bryant. Um... By ninth, by two thousand three, um, there were a lot of different things going on. <clears throat> the two thousand two two thousand three Lakers were not as good as they had been, and in the offs, and they were later defeated by in the second round by the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, first time they had in tandem like that experience since their championship years. That sort of defeat. And the Spurs ended up winning the championship that year. It was shortly after the historic draft and the free agency of 2003 that Kobe Bryant got himself into a world of trouble in Eagle, Colorado. And I think this is where his already, obviously, rival, he's on the Lakers, we don't like you anyway, but that's where his relationship with the state of Colorado changed, fundamentally. Um... Who knows what actually happened uh, in Eagle, Colorado that day. The charges were dropped. Um, And the case continued into 2004. And it is quite amazing how Kobe was dealing with this case, flying back and forth to Eagle and still playing. In fact, uh, he hit a game winner against the Nuggets um, that year. Uh, Mello's rookie season and it was it was it was surreal and it was surreal for the people in Colorado um, he was roundly booed every time he came into Denver uh, and it fundamentally altered anyone's perception of Code Bryant out here in Colorado maybe not the rest of the country but specifically in Colorado um And it's hard not to let that do it. I mean, it's serious. It's an awful charge. And it hung around like an anchor around his neck for a very long time. Probably still does. Time progresses. Uh, Kobe makes some comments about Andrew Bynum. Uh, makes just, just after Phil Jackson left, he writes a book basically excoriating Kobe. 
Um, and it's just, it's, it just wasn't looking good. And then, of course, Jackson comes back after Rudy Tomjanovich burns out. And the Lakers ascend again, particularly after they got reacquired Pau Gasol. Now, coming back into this picture, the Denver Nuggets were better. And the better Nuggets and the better uh, Los Angeles Lakers made for a very, very interesting three years. Starting with the uh, Iverson, Mello, Nuggets, um, you know, famous flame out against the Lakers in the first round, um, the four-game sweep in the first round of the 2008 playoffs. And progressing to the next year, where we went to the Western Conference Finals. This team, the, the teams were just toe to toe. The Nuggets were routinely the second best team uh, in that two year period. And it was, you know, obviously George Carl's cancer. We all know that story. But it really was, and people forget this, it really was the Lakers and the Nuggets. Um, the Lakers were so bothered by Carmelo Anthony that they got Iran Artest in the 2009 offseason, specifically to guard Mello. If you don't talk to anyone there around the Lakers, that is why they got Mello. Now, we were on our test, or Meta World Peace. And that is exactly why that was. It was a two-year period where it was the Lakers and the Nuggets, and it was a fierce rivalry. Everyone disliked Kobe. And it progressed even after the Carmelo Anthony trade. The 2012 playoffs um, was a seven-game series versus the Kobe's... Um, still good Lakers team versus the Nuggets. And it went seven games. The Nuggets came back from 3-1 down. Uh, and then the seventh game, they ran out of gas. But it was a great series. But Kobe was the nemesis once once again, like he was in so many other playoff series. And kind of things settled down after that, and things started getting... Things started coming down... For Kobe. Now, my time covering the Denver Nuggets um, coincided with Kobe's last championship uh, when they beat the, the Celtics. And um, a couple years later, um, I'm covering the Lakers when they would come to town. And uh, the very interesting part about covering Kobe Bryant was um, the Lakers bring in even when they're terrible, they bring in hordes of media. Just, just media, a ridiculous amount of media. Um, and when they're great, it's just it's insane. But even when they were bad, and they were going through a rough patch. Mike D'Antoni was their coach, and it just they weren't. It 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 was hard to get to Kobe um, when he was healthy. And this is the period where Kobe was dealing with injury after injury after injury. And I managed to, at a couple media availabilities, I managed to get uh, ask a couple basic questions of Kobe. Nothing too big. I mean, that really was the extent of my interaction. It was hard to get to Kobe because the LA media is just so omnipresent. They it's just like he ends up answering questions from their own media, and opposing media doesn't get as much opportunity. So we progressed to 
later in his career, and we're talking to his last year, which is the 15-16 season. That was Michael Malone's first year. Uh, the Lakers came into town a couple times, and it was I professed on Twitter how disgusting it was uh, to see all those Lakers fans there. But deep inside, I knew it was it was because it was Kobe's last go round, and you knew that it was that there was a, an extension of what his popularity was. Um, it's just inevitable. And what I saw was something in that last year that I didn't see from Kobe before. Kobe was always very aloof. Um, Kobe wasn't exactly the most approachable star. Um, and he changed that last year once he began accepting his retirement. And I think it took him several years it took him several years to finally appreciate, not appreciate, but it took him several years to finally uh, get away from Superstar Kobe Superstar Kobe was completely different Superstar Kobe was someone who could was could shoot daggers um, take over a game by himself with a bunch of fell fall away, turn around mid-range shots um, he was that guy um and I saw a humility in Kobe that I had never seen in the years that I covered the Denver Nuggets. And he sat for his uh, post-game presser um, in the stands that were full of Laker fans. Um, he was reflective. Reflective in a way that I had, as I pointed out before, a, a way that I had never seen. Um, uh, I can't call it a piece, but he was, he understood uh, Kobe understood where he was, and Kobe understood the need to to be to step aside, and that was a little different. Um, I had not seen a Kobe Bryant up to that point that who was willing to to look that way, and not that it changed my mind about Kobe Bryant. But it definitely showed me a different side of him. A side that we just didn't often get to see. He was ready to accept what his new role in life was. And after he after that, he accepted retirement better than most superstars do. And I think that was a huge, huge part of how his own rehabilitation of his image. You know, Kobe and I, as I pointed out before, are the same age. And when one dies, uh, who is could have basically been your high school classmate, um, you start thinking, you start looking, you start. It's, it's inevitable. You start looking inward, like you know, he's forty-one, like me. We're both we're both going to be forty-two this year, and it's 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 a cold slap to the face of reality of where you are in life. For all the things that Kobe Bryant represented to people in the basketball world, I think look more at his relationship with his daughters, his love for his daughters, particularly his oldest daughter, who unfortunately passed away with Kobe in that helicopter crash. Think about that. Think about how he went from where he was in 2003 to where he became in 2020. And while we will never know what happened 
in Eagle, Colorado in 2003. We will know that Kobe, for whatever it's worth, became, from all intents and purposes, and from all outside appearances, a great father. With great kids, of an attentive father. The Kobe Bryant, who unfortunately passed away in January of 2020, was not the same Kobe Bryant in 2003. And all we can expect as human beings is growth and change. And maybe by the time Kobe had seen his last sunrise, he grew into the man that he was supposed to be. And as all we can ask for as human beings is to grow into better human beings than when we started. Thank you all for joining me. I'll talk to you later.